Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. Welcome to the podcast. The po- I said podcast, didn't I? Welcome to the podcast. Podcast podcast. I'm Douglas Wilson. This is episode 240 and it's good to have you uh good to have you here um with me. I appreciate I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it very much. So, I thought a number of you have um followed and are interested in the um the sticker gate controversy that has occurred in Moscow and I'm going to give you an update but I'm not I'm I'm going to give you a general update and not a whole lot of detail and the, and the uh the th- the central thing I want you to know is that um this last week uh this uh, well earlier this week I should say the jury came back uh in Rory, my grandson Rory's trial with a guilty verdict. The thing that you need to know is that this guilty verdict uh, will be appealed and the wheels are in motion uh, as we speak to appeal it even now. So it's going to move uh, out of this uh, local court system to another venue. Uh, so the guilty verdict is going to be appealed. Now, the the reason uh the reason for the guilty verdict was that the was that the defense was not allowed to present its defense so the defense was um not of the sort where we've got these stickers on the poles and uh, the city of moscow says my grandson put them on the pole and my grandson was maintaining no i didn't it wasn't that kind of defense at all. the The issue was not the uh, uh, the factual nature of uh, who put the sticker on the pole. The issue was uh, was that activity constitutionally protected? Was it an exercise of free speech? Um, so, what happened was uh, we had a psalm sing our our. Uh, Congregation had a psalm saying that was protesting protesting an extension of a masking order. There were some unnecessary and illegal arrests of uh, three of our people in uh, at that front at that psalm saying, and then they, the charges against them were later dropped because what we were doing was not illegal. And uh, uh, my grandson you know, protested and tried, tried to contact different people in the city and didn't have a means of protesting this. So um, in, uh, ex- in his exercise of his um, constitutional right to speak his mind in a way that was critical of the government, he um, put these stickers on, uh, you know, downtown, downtown Moscow. And then the charges were filed, et cetera. What the judge did was refused to allow the defense to present its defense. The defense is that this was a constitutionally protected activity 
and there wasn't anything wrong with it, and that uh, the prosecution was out of line. So this is um, this verdict, the guilty verdict, where the, the judge instructed the jury, you just have to simply limit yourself to uh, whether or not he affixed the sticker to the pole. Um, now, there's a separate issue. The, there's a thing I've talked about here before called jury nullification, where I think that the jury had every right to disregard that instruction from the judge. But in this case, they didn't know that they had that right or they didn't agree with it, and they followed the judge's instructions. So the the current plan is to have the defense appeal the case to a court where the constitutional defense will be permitted, where where they will actually have a, a, an opportunity to present the defense that they had prepared. So that's the that's the situation. Um, we are f- we are feeling very good about the the setup. We're feeling very good about the position that we're in. Um, this is all um, this is all great. So your um, uh, your prayers, support, all of that is uh, greatly uh, greatly appreciated. And you have to realize this is a this, this is a misdemeanor that is the the costs <laughs> both to prosecute and um, and to defend are uh, approaching six figures. So so this is an ex- uh, fighting for your um, free speech isn't free, right? So fighting for your right to criticize the government uh, is uh, something where we are very appreciative of those who have uh, um, gone to the sticker gate, give, send, go, uh, and donated toward this because uh, doing this is, is expensive. But we intend to do it, expensive or no, uh, cheerfully and um, looking forward to the outcome. Continuing on with the podcast, 240-240, in, in pursuit of our degree in hamartiology, the next word we're going to consider is um, eminomai, eminomai, E-M-M-A-I-N-O-M-A-I, eminomai. And it means exceeding mad, exceeding mad. And the one time this is used in uh, scripture is in Acts twenty six eleven. Paul uh, Paul is uh, speaking, and I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceeding mad, there it is. And being exceeding mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. So this is one of three times in Acts where Paul's testimony is recorded, and he re- and he describes this as his attitude toward the Christians. We would describe it as seeing red or furious, but this was a disciplined and cold fury. Not It wasn't a simple fly-off-the-handle thing or an outburst of temper. We can see that in how Paul describes it as a zeal that took him off to strange cities. Remember that he was converted on the road to Damascus. He was going to another, uh, another city and another region, another territory. Uh, in order to persecute Christians there. His zeal to to stomp out Christianity was excessive. Now, 
Before his conversion, Paul was brilliant, and he was well-studied, and he, and he was quite zealous. But he was also, and it has to be said, he was also unhinged. He, um, he was a genius, but he was an unhinged genius. In the pastorals, he describes himself as an insolent man and as a blasphemer himself. So, just very, very quickly, uh, when Paul describes himself as being exceeding mad uh, against the Christians here, which is our word, he he was wound tight for a reason. Um, in in Acts six and seven, we have the story of um, how Stephen and some others were selected as deacons, and Stephen. Uh, was did not just limit himself to waiting on tables. He was also a speaker, and he was able to to refute the Jews uh, in debate over um, the the transition that was going to happen between the old forms of worship and the new. And it says in Acts that he got in a debate with men from the synagogue of the the freedmen, the synagogue of the freedmen, and. And it tells us where these men in the synagogue of the freedmen were from, were from. And one of the places they were from was Cilicia. Well, Cilicia was a province, and the major city in Cilicia was Tarsus, which was Saul's hometown. So uh, my assumption is that uh, Saul of Tarsus was a young rabbinical student, a young, you know, or fresh out of seminary. He was zealous beyond all his peers, but he ran into this Christian deacon, and he couldn't refute him. He, he, uh, he couldn't withstand his wisdom. And so the people, the people from the synagogue of the freedmen uh, suborned witnesses to, to lie about Stephen. And then uh, those witnesses, according to Jewish law, had to be the ones who threw the stones to execute Stephen, and the first explicit mention of Saul of Tarsus was that he was there holding their coats, indicating that he had something to do with them. So I think that I think Saul was one of those people who was ref, who was refuted by Stephen, couldn't answer his arguments, and who helped line up false witnesses to kill Stephen. But Saul was brilliant enough to know that hiring men to lie about a guy is not the same thing as refuting him. And so when he lashed out against the Christians and he was doing what he was doing exceedingly mad, when he did this, he was he was doing it um, uh, in a way that indicated sort of an internal an internal frenzy. Uh, he was he was wound tight, in other words, just uh, completely wound tight. So when he was on the road to Damascus, when the Lord appeared to him, I don't, I, I don't think he all was well in his conscience. I don't think he was operating in serenity. He was, he was furious, and he was furious because he was under conviction. All right. So continuing on with episode two forty of the podcast. The book I want to commend to you today is uh, Christianity and Wokeism, Christianity and Wokeism by Owen Strahan. And of course, I'm, I think that's how you pronounce it, Strahan, Strahan, well, Owen, let's call him Owen. 
So Christianity and Wokeism by Owen Strahan. Um, this book is, um, you might call it a companion volume to uh, Machen's great book, Christianity and Liberalism. Christianity and Liberalism. In uh, the Christian faith has had many denominational distinctives down through the, the centuries. We've had people who make the sign of the cross with two fingers and people who make the sign of the cross with three fingers. We have people who are baptized with heads upstream, people who are baptized with heads downstream. We have people um, who use chant and worship, and we have people who sing shape note gospel songs and worship. So the Christian church is a veritable Baskin, Baskins and Robins of flavors, all kinds of flavors. What Machen did was he argued in his great, and it's a great book, he argued that liberal Christianity was not a denominational variant. It was another religion. It was another faith. So, and Machen begins by by talking about how much um, Protestants have in common with Roman Catholics when compared to liberalism. So, um, he he recognized he, he he's not soft on Rome's errors at all, but he just says that that um, the Roman Catholic faith is recognizably Christian still. It still has the Trinitarian God God's revelation. Um, it's recognizably identifiably uh, Christian, um, but liberalism, Machen said, was not. Liberalism was another system of faith entirely. And that was the import of uh, his book. This is not the same thing. It's different all the way down to the roots. What uh, What's done in this Christianity and Wokeism book is just a very good review. Uh, if you're if you're wondering what is the uh, what's up with this woke business, why why do these the last three years in our church the sermons have made me feel very uncomfortable, and I'm not sure why. Um, it's I, and I hear this word woke being used. This I think is a very good uh, introduction to the whole topic. What why is woke ideology not Christian? Why is woke ideology uh, unbiblical, radically unbiblical, unbiblical in all its um, details? And uh, Strahan does a marvelous job. He's, he's, um, he does a great job walking you through the, the essential gospel issues and showing how and why Woke ideology can, uh, collides with biblical assumptions, just um, contradicts biblical assumptions. There's, um, if, if you want a, sort of an introductory treatment to the whole topic and you want to know what the, what, the, um, what the hubbub is all about, I would encourage you to begin uh, there. Strawn writes, writes very capably. It's very accessible, straightforward. No, uh, no excessive headiness. It's a good book. If you'd like more of this kind of content, be sure to check out Canon Plus. That's where you can find all of my audiobooks and a huge collection of resources to help you engage with culture and live faithfully. By subscribing to Canon Plus, you're supporting the making of this show and more. If you haven't joined up yet, you can get your first month for just 99 cents by using the promo code Doug99.